1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast, pre-Tony edition. I am your host, Rebecca Milzoff, Features Editor at Billboard and Broadway fan extraordinaire here. So if you're listening to this episode in real time, the Tonys are just two days away, so I think it's really the perfect time to check out the Billboard on Broadway archives, um, catch up on the major shows of the past season. I have been fortunate to have nearly all of the Tony-nominated musicals, many of their stars and members of their creative teams on the podcast. And in my humble opinion, uh, there have been a pretty high quantity of great conversations lately that make for perfect pre-Tony prep if you are a theater fan. We'll have some new episodes coming up soon, but this week I'm throwing it back to one of my all-time favorite guests for a Best of Billboard on Broadway episode. In August of 2018, I was thrilled to have one of the most beloved stars in musical theater, Sutton Foster, on the podcast. It's always exciting, I think, when you find that the artists you look up to are actually lovely, interesting people uh, in the real world, too. So it was delightful to find that that was definitely true with Sutton. At the time, she had recently released a great album of music called Take Me to the World, and we talked a lot about how she put together the mix of classic and more contemporary song choices on it, along with her collaborative process with the drama students from Ball State University, who appear on the album and who Sutton has also taught for several years now. But we also delved into her already storied career, how she makes choices about the shows she wants to do, the composers she looks up to, and her roles on television on Younger and before that on Bunheads. This seemed like a great time to revisit my conversation with Sutton because she has a whole lot coming up. Most imminently, she's about to start a run of shows at the Cafe Carlisle in New York, the famous sort of intimate cabaret venue, where she will be performing songs from Take Me to the World in concert. Uh, The sixth season of Younger is about to start as well on TV Land. And in the category of major musical things to look forward to uh, on the podcast, Sutton and I talk about kind of what it would take for her to do another Broadway show soon, what she would want in that project. And lo and behold, it was recently announced that she's going to be returning to Broadway in the fall of 2020, starring opposite Hugh Jackman in a new production of The Music Man, which I'm sure will be huge when it comes.
2: I'll give you stars and the moon and a soul to guide you and a promise I'll never go. I'll give you hope to bring out all the life inside you and the strength that will help you
1: grow. Hello, Sutton. You- Hi. I feel like I need to sing, like, Sutton Foster. <laughs> You need a musical introduction. Um, well, excited to see you here. Um, I have to say, first of all, that I'm one of the people who, in addition to having seen you in musicals over the years, is also a Crazy Bunheads fan, so oh, you will always be endeared to my heart for Bunheads.
2: Thank you. <laughs> I love Bunheads. It's, uh, it was the, the short-lived love of my life. Yeah. I kind
1: of wonder like, how many people who recognize you or come up to you on the street are Crazy Bunheads
2: fans. There's a lot of Bunheads fans out there. I was like... Where were you? Where, where was the noise when we <laughs> it needed you? Oh, I know. Um, but no, it's been so cool. And, it's, uh, and now it lives on. You know, I think it's on Hulu. And so many people are, are like watching it now for the first time. And I, um, I just, I, it was such a special show. And it was, uh, it was so cool to be on a, a show that was very well loved. It was
1: I, I indeed watched the entire thing for a second time on Hulu, so oh, it's, it's I need to that do it that it I haven't off.
2: done that yet. It's an
1: excellent way to while away like eight hours of your life on on a rainy day for sure okay. <laughs> Um, well, I, talking about the album seemed like a good moment to me to kind of dial back and reflect. Uh, because I see some reflection on the album of your like beginnings with Millie, um, some people who have kind of been in your musical life for many, many years now. Um, so... If we could start by rewinding back to that first big moment for you, are there ways that you still see things that you've learned from Millie reflected in your career and the work that you're doing now, or is it more like people who have kind of stuck with you, like Janine Tazori? Yeah, um, I'm curious. Like if 16 years later, if you still have moments where you're like, "Oh, I learned that doing that show."
2: Millie was Millie was a life changing, career changing. Uh, moment for me in my life, and and there are people that I met on that show that I still work with, Janine Tissori, who I've now worked with several times. Michael Rafter, who is um, who was our music director on Millie and conductor, is my music director to this date. You know, he's he's responsible for all of the arrangements on the new album. Um, he's like a he's like a true collaborator. You know, when you when you meet someone um, who makes you better you know I, I feel like working with him and Janine too as well it's like you just sort of we we all sort of met in our youth in our beginnings and then we've mm-hmm. been like we've grown up together but Millie was Millie taught me a lot of things it taught me um it taught me how to be a how to do eight shows a week how to have um endurance and stamina how to be a leader of a company I'd never done that before in that capacity, how to deal with criticism? How to um, stop reading reviews <laughs> and stop reading the comments? Stay off of message boards.
1: I was going to say, was it message boards back it then? Was message it comments? Boards. <laughs> yeah,
2: it was all like, you know, like um, social media. I mean, now it's it's changed since then, but you know, it's uh, it was just sort of the beginning of when uh, people started sharing their opinions online and it was available for any and everyone to read and so I I felt like it I feel like and also I will say one of the things I learned from doing Millie is that it helped me find a a better balance in my life because I think back then in my 20s and I was 27 when it opened I turned 27 right before we opened it uh, I think I had as far as the scale of life, I had many more um, coins in the career column than the uh, relationships and personal life, uh, and that has definitely balanced out as I've gotten older. So Millie I really taught me a lot of things.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it seems like it's kind of a rare thing that a first project can be kind of, like, defining but in a good way, and I feel like that sort of established you as a triple threat and... um there, it doesn't seem like there would have been any downside to that. Did you, did you, after that show, did you feel like you needed to prove yourself in other ways or did it just pretty much set a, a good path going forward for you?
2: I mean, I, I have a different perspective on it now. Having many years of time passed, <laughs> but I Millie was like the best thing that had ever happened to me, but also like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. Cause it like just tore me apart. It like broke me apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh it was debilitating and hard and where i should have been like on the top of the world i was i felt this enormous pressure to to deliver and and to and when i couldn't it was you know debilitating um but and and there is like this thing like you've 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 achieved something and how do you have staying power what do you do next you know how mm-hmm. do you do you how do you continue to i don't know challenge yourself as an artist but also stay relevant in like the, the theater scene or so it's uh it was an interesting the next project i did after millie was little women which was again another just like sort of juggernaut role um that uh wasn't as successful as millie um but and then that sort of taught me like all right i need to stay i need to i can't keep trying to sort of top myself in this direction i need to like make a left turn and do something different and that was what brought on drowsy chaperone Mm -hmm. so for me it was like very it was very pointed that I wanted to do something that was more ensemble about being part of an ensemble of people as opposed to me being in the front Mm because I I I I couldn't handle that I didn't know how that it was just it was like breaking me apart (laughs) so which seems so silly you know but I have a different I can have reflection on it now but but drowsy was a very um Was it was a gift because it it like I was surround I was sharing the responsibility with all of these incredible people. And it was like this magical little show that made me sort of fall in love with, with it all again.
1: And I feel like that's something that we see on the album that I want to get into, too, that it's like, I feel like it's very rare to see a solo album like this that feels like really collaborative. Yeah. And like, you, I mean, you are the main person on the album, but there are other voices that are mm-hmm. prominent. And it was really um,
2: important to me that the album feel like a collaboration. And and I I um, yes, it is it is my name on the front, but it, it but it's there's so many amazing people that, that went into building the album. And I, I wanted to share, I had, there's so many, there's many duets. I have, I have a, um, a group number with incredible singers from Ball, cause I, it was a collaboration with Ball State University. Um, I have a, I'm an adjunct faculty there and, uh, I wanted, we wanted to record it there and we, and it was awesome. We used their, um, uh, recording studios, we used their orchestra, we used over 100 students and faculty, we used the senior musical theater class of 2018, as well as the teachers, the voice teachers. So it was, it was this one, and their entire art and design department uh, designed the album, they did all of the packaging, everything. So it was like, incredible to be able to um, sort of, in, uh, sort of give back and, and, and also use all of these young minds, too, to sort of like redefine what this um, what this album was going to be.
1: So I didn't realize until I was reading about the album how long teaching has been kind of part of your life as well. And yeah. I mean, really going back to when you were kind of starting out. So I was I was curious about how that came into your life and what it is like to be teaching young people <laughs> as your as your own career is
2: still like yeah. really developing. I feel like um, I I had a really wonderful relationship with my high school drama teacher, Mr. Bodick, Mr. Rick Bodick. I still call him Mr. Bodick. But he, (laughs) um, uh, he was just incredibly influential. And like, because I didn't know that theater, or let alone musical theater, could you could make a career career out of it. For me, it was just something you did for fun, you know, it was like Mm -hmm. a hobby or. um, And he was really like someone who like just introduced me to introduced me to so much and has always been a champion. And has always encouraged me still to this day and um, I always felt really passionate about wanting to give back in some way because I I, I, you know I grew up in a tiny I I grew up in Georgia and small towns in Georgia and then moved to suburbs of Michigan. Um, New York was like I I had no concept of New York. I did a paper on it you know (laughs) when I was like a freshman and um, they uh, and that was before you know I the internet so now I feel like things are more accessible you know but back then it was we went to the library we would like check out like cast recordings and we'd watch the Tony Awards. That was like the only outlet I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started um, uh, like early when even before I moved to New York, I volunteered at a local um, community theater um, when I was living in, in Mem- Memphis because I, I dropped out of college. Um, and I was completely lost and I was like, how do I, what do I do? And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to work, volunteer at this community theater and like work, working with young people. And, um, and then I just felt super passionate about it. And whenever we would do, um, my affiliation with Ball State, they had just reached out to me for like a talk back to talk to their students. Oh, I think when I was doing Drowsy Chaperone and, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? And, um, I just sort of fell in love with their, their students and their faculty. And there was a real Midwest sensibility and earnestness. And it just felt like the right fit for me. And, um, it was a program that was redefining itself. And, um, and it it was kind of like uh, on the verge of, of sort of bubbling and growing. And, um, it's been incredible, and I, I, I now like I teach a cabaret class every year via like Skype and um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we do a they do a Skype show, cabaret a I Skype cabaret <laughs> um, they like and then they do a performance in um, Indianapolis and then in March they do a performance at Joe's Pub here in New York and so it's like really cool and we've done and Michael Rafter actually and I teach it together. And so it just felt fitting that we would I- incorporate them, you know, with the album. And we've just developed this wonderful relationship with the school. And, uh, I, yeah, it just it just—it just, feels like it's so important to me. And, and it's also, like, really important to me to be able to share as my career has evolved and changed now being in television. And I feel like I have, oh, my gosh, I learned this today. <laughs> I can, like, share it with this. And tell someone else. Yeah, share it with this, like, next generation, you know. And um, sort of share my experiences and, and how like you don't have to you can work really hard and you can kinda keep challenging yourself and and you can I'm you know, I'm I'm from the Midwest too, you know. It's like you don't have to be an asshole to kind of succeed and how to like how worthy lesson. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you can like work really hard and and um and and things things can work out. Yeah. You know? and
1: you've directed there too a couple of I've shows. I co-directed, right? yeah.
2: Okay. So um Bill Jenkins is the chair of the of the department and he's he's just been my my like champion there and so he he um they did Drowsy Chaperone and they did Shrek the Musical and I I was able okay. to come in <laughs> and sort of help with casting and and sort of give some insight into you know my experience of what it was like doing it on Broadway and and sort of share some some um character development and help them help them with their productions
1: that makes sense I was wondering if like secretly you were like directing your own Sweeney Todd yeah I mean that that
2: would be amazing (laughs) but a lot of it is um because my because I'm so busy which is incredible I'm um my time they that Bill has been able to like um he's been able I've been able to come in for like little snippets of time to kind of uh you know come in and sort of dance around and and flit off some pearls of wisdom or something (laughs) um but but yeah in i'll say 2025 sutton foster's production of sweeney todd
1: (laughs) the world is waiting it sounds amazing (laughs) um well i think that one one thing that really popped out to me about the album which i hadn't really i guess thought about looking at your body of work before is like how many living composers uh you've been able to work with um, mm-hmm. and who you're championing. Um, and I want to talk about Janine first and Michael as well. Um, what do you think was kind of the foundation of that relationship starting and what kind of made the two of you click as a partnership that has kind of continued through the years since then?
2: I think Janine is, I think, she's a ge- I think she's a genius. I um, Fair statement, fair statement. I love, I love being in a room with her. She elevates everyone around her. Um, she is – she's also so – she's an incredible collaborator. She is so willing to say, okay, look, no, that doesn't work, or let's do it. Let's try this, or blah, blah, blah. You know, like, what do you think, or – um I, I just think she's a total badass. Like, I would follow her anywhere, and if she calls and asks me to do anything, I would do it in a heartbeat without asking what it was. I, um, the other person I, I can put in that category is Amy Sherman Palladino and, yes. and Lee Silverman, who I've worked with now as a director several times. They're just women who, they're strong, powerful women who make everyone better. And I just love, she makes, they all make me better. And I, um, I, I feel like I, I just don't want to let, I never want to let Janine down. You know, I, um, I just, uh, I've loved working with her. Um, we did Millie, we did Shrek, and we did Violet. And she's just the best. I hope that I get to work with her again and again.
1: And her and it's a real like variety of oh. things that she has done, too. I mean, do you see kind of a through line about like what makes her music so great to you to perform?
2: It's like um, it's like we share a voice, I guess. It's like a simple <laughs> seems really weird to say, <laughs> but it's like she we like know each other. It's like it's it's the secret. It's that secret thing, you know. It's like that chemistry thing, you know. It's mm-hmm. like it's hard to define, because um, you can work with people and you're like, oh, we're not on the same page, or it doesn't, it doesn't fit. Or I can sing, I can sing someone's music, and I'm like, oh, geez, this is not, this isn't, doesn't work. But there's something about Janine. Like the minute I start to learn a song of hers, it's as if it was written for me, which. I there have been songs that have been written for me but mm-hmm. it's like she just like we like understand each other.
1: I was going to say at this point like I would think she is writing to your
2: voice almost since you've worked together so much. Yeah, it's it's like it's one of those amazing things. And I and I feel that way about Michael Rafter too. It's like um I you know you you, you hope that a lot of people work um solo, you know, a lot of people work on their own or you know, I, I I find especially in creativity or anything creative or art, the arts. It's like collaboration is the key, you know, and you hope that you find a collaborator who, who by working together, you, you actually make each other better because you, what, what you, you're better together than you are on your own. And I, I feel that way about Michael Rafter. It's like, we come together and we both are better. And it's like, I can't, there's, I, there's no one else that I,
0: Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. So was he and originian
1: instrumental in kind of coming up with the concept for the album in the first place? Was that a conversation or more something
2: that so came purely from you? Michael and I, um, we do lots of concerts. And we, we started doing, we did like a, the, the very first concert we did was an American Songbook for Lincoln Center back in 2004. Four, right after I left Millie it was the first time I'd ever done something like that where you're like you know it's like the cabaret art form or the, I always call it a concert because I'm like because somehow cab the word cabaret can have so, like lots of feelings People have lots like, of feelings sitting on a piano with yeah, a glass yeah. of wine so I'm like <laughs> I'm like we do concerts but um and then we did an album uh in 2008 I guess that was uh Really derived. I, I had gone, was going through a divorce, and Michael had gone through some health issues, and we were both. That album was my first album, which was called Wish, and it was really like this album of healing for both of us. And um, and then, uh, but we we've just then we just kind of kept doing concerts, and like we we could have a tour shirt that would have like you know lots of cities on. We just all over the country, the world, we started doing symphony stuff. And we knew we wanted to do another album, but we didn't feel like we had the, we just didn't feel like we had it, like whatever the the album was going to be. And then um, my husband and I adopted a baby girl and suddenly the songs that we were looking at and the music that we were being, that we were drawn to, started to shift because i had this new life in my life and i i was suddenly a mom and like so the album started to take place mm-hmm. so that was really what formed the album was the birth of emily my daughter
1: the the only thing that i'm missing which i've never seen one of your solo shows but i feel like i've heard so much about you singing mabel this time to oh. your <laughs> <Dear> dog um <laughs> That I'm a little sad. That's not on the album. yeah. That didn't,
2: that didn't make the cut. I know poor Mabel's having a hard time. <laughs> Mabel's my dog, and so she was the first. And then we got Brody, our another dog. And then she was like, "Why have you done this?" And then we brought a human child, and now she's just beside she, herself. <laughs> yeah, she's really, she's really having a hard time. So I, I should have put Mabel this time on the album for right. her. At
1: least she gets to be serenaded. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, well. I was going to say that this does not just feel like cabaret on tape. Um, and uh, going back to the collaborative aspect of it, um, did did you initially have all of the students in the room with you or would you start out working on things by yourself or was it always sort of being in the room with them?
2: For the album? Yeah. We had put together for... Um, so what's interesting is like – so the final track on the album is Every Time We Say Goodbye, which is a Cole Porter um, song. We had been commissioned by the Cincinnati Pops to, to do four uh, – ori- not original – four new arrangements of Cole Porter. This was um, um, two years ago. And um, so we – for the cabaret class at Ball State, we decided to focus on Cole Porter. And one of the songs that they sang at the end of their class – at the end of their show that they did was Every Time We Say Goodbye, arranged by Michael Rafter, this beautiful a cappella version. And then when we sang, we we had them sing it with the Cincinnati Pops with full orchestra orchestra coming in. And I knew I wanted to include that on the album. Now, the label was like, but you're not singing on it. It's just (laughs) the students. And I said, but that's what the whole album is about. The whole album is about collaboration and about the future, you know, about these this is the future, this is the next generation, you know? It was all like, it was like a gift for them. It was like we, this is the whole point. And then the, um, the On My Way, I'm On My Way, On My Way, mm-hmm. was actually written for um, six singers and we I, we did it at a, uh, I did a concert at, at Lincoln Center um, in April of 17, right after Emily was born and, um, and six moms sang it. Oh, and, wow. and uh, and, I, and I knew, oh, I want to do this on the album. And two of the moms were Darcy Roberts and Megan McGinnis, who I do duets with on the, sh- on the um, album. And then we decided that the other voices would be – the three other voices soloed are um, f- the faculty voice teachers at Ball State. And then the, the, the chorus are the musical theater seniors and alumni. At Ball State, so it was all done very. Um, the 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 piece had already been created, and then we decided to open it up and mm-hmm. include everybody.
1: That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I want to go through some of my favorite uh, tracks on the album uh, because they made me want to hear more from you with these people um first was uh jason robert brown yes. who i was like now she needs to do a jason robert brown show <laughs> um he will be a podcast guest actually a little later in the summer um so what is your history with him and this song stars in the moon is just to me such a classic jrb yeah. kind of song um tell me about how you kind of decided to do that song and, and what you knew of him before
2: i had always been a fan of his. When I was a kid growing up, I was obsessed with songs, songs for a new world. Um, so I used to listen to it, you know, in my room. And, um, I actually decided to sing it for the first time when I did a concert with Janine Tesori. Um, this was at city center like two years ago with um, Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff did, did the, and I did this one night only concert at City Center and we got to sing songs Tra- we've always Tragic ho- to have missed that oh, by know. the it way. Was, it was pretty <laughs> awesome and so we got to sing songs that like we've never sung before. So I I didn't want to so I was like I've always wanted to sing Stars and the Moon and, um, and then as soon as I sang it I was like oh my gosh I finally get this song. Like you have to be of a certain age I think mm-hmm. to like really understand it and like as a kid I never really got it. And then you're like, oh, you have to have like some life experience to realize what it means. And um, and then I just started doing it in concerts. Uh, yeah, when I would work with Rafter, and I was like, we got to, I got to sing this. And then um, honestly, um, it all fades away. The other Jason Robert Brown song, um, a student at Ball State, a, a boy. I, my brother was in the show. Like my brother had done the show um, on Broadway, uh, but a student at Ball State sang It All Fades Away in a like a music class and I was listening to it and I went, Oh gosh, that's a good that's a really great song. <laughs> and I said to Michael, I said, because I had been talking to Jason Robert Brown because we're friends and I I I told him that I was working on an album and I said, Do you you know do you have any trunk songs or any like things that haven't been recorded or, you know, and he was sort of sending me ideas and he sent me another song from um, from Bridges. And I was like, what about It All Fades Away? And we started working on that. And then it became, like, it's, like, one of my favorite things I've ever I've ever done. So were you actually working with him when you were? With Jason? Yeah. No. And I was, um, we we did it all with, I did it all with Michael. Okay. And then, uh, and I just was praying that Jason would give us his blessing. And then I did a concert with Jason, um. Just like a one night only because he has a residency at Subculture here in New York. Yes. And I got to sing. I sang Stars in the Moon, It All Fades Away, and then two, three of his other songs that I learned for that night, but I got to sing them with with him. And that was wild. I was like, what is my life? Like, this is so cool. Really cool cool accompanist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty wild. Um. Yeah. No. I, I. love
1: those. Um. Also. Uh. Having recently gone to see Twelfth Night. Um. Shana Tab is. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Another former fo- podcast guest. Um. And love uh, the song Room that you chose. I mean that and the Jason songs are I, they're like really sort of huge journeys like within a song and they're kind of about like going through stuff in life. Yeah. It seems to me.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. But what is your connection to Shayna?
2: So Shayna and I met this is a wild so I, um, I I taught this is such a I taught two semesters at NYU and um, I, I ended up doing I did two sort of cabaret clas- that was before I, I started working at Ball State so I did two sort of cabaret classes at NYU and then I did I taught the freshman um, I can't remember what year I did a, a vocal performance so I ended up teaching, like, 60 freshmen, a lot of which are now, like, on Broadway and doing really well, all because of me. No, Um, I did nothing. But they... um, uh, Actually, uh, Jelani... uh, Jelani's in Frozen. He was one of my students. And um, Ariel Satchel, who just won the Tony for Band's Visit, he was one of my students. Oh,
1: my God, Isn't that wild?
2: I know. I'm like, wow. Anyway. um, Oddly... And crazily enough, the pianist for the um, for this class for the vocal performance classes was Shayna Taub. And I had no idea. <laughs> she I was like, Why were you playing piano? She's like, I just she's like, I just wanted to brush up on my like sight reading. And she's like, I just wanted to be in the room and 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 I was like, What? Like why would you ever do that? I had no idea that she was such a brilliant composer. And so then room came across my plate. I think I reached out to her again, like as I was like sort of looking for material. And she either sent me room or someone sent it to me. And I've just fell in love with it. I thought it was so beautiful. And I sang it, that concert where I sang Stars in the Moon which mm-hmm. with um, Jonathan Groff, I sang room. And, and Shana actually was part of that concert. She, she, because um, the concert was a, a mix of like, Jonathan, jonathan and i singing stuff and then a bunch of young new composers and she was one of the new composers sort of doing her material and um i just fell in love with it and knew i wanted to do it on the album i feel like shana is always popping up in places you don't expect her like that sort of which is so awesome i just will never forget i was like why are you playing piano in like freshman vocal performance class yes (laughs) she was just like the coolest she's just the coolest it's I feel like she is kind of like the cool piano playing
1: singer songwriter girl who like I kind of wish I was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, also, very exciting to see you singing Sondheim. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. I I sort of wonder, like, is there a Sondheim show that you would want to do in the
2: near future? Oh, like, God. what is your Sondheim wish list? The, I did. A, um, one of my favorite things I've ever done was Anyone Can Whistle. We did it at um city center city center encores back in 2010 excuse me burping um (laughs) sorry (laughs) and uh it was just incredible like to work on his music and to he was in the room and I was like frozen (laughs) I was like I, I lost the ability to speak um I mean I would love to do a Sondheim show someday that would be a dream Sweeney Todd maybe someday My favorite show ever. Who would
1: you be in Sweeney Todd?
2: Eventually, Mrs. Lovett. Yes. (laughs) Right? We got to, maybe in a couple years. Your
1: time is coming. And my time is coming. To to break out your cockney. Um I and there is um some pop on the on the album, some James Taylor and Simon and Garfunkel and I was curious what your kind of personal history and relationship to pop music is. I kind of think of you as someone who must have
2: like come out of the womb tap dancing, but <laughs> I know, right? Well see, but I also grew up in the seventies, right? Mm-hmm. So like my mom used to listen to I always joke about the eight tracks and she used to listen to John Denver and James Taylor and Dan Vogelberg and you know, I grew up like carol king and um simon and garfunkel and like i i grew up listening to all this stuff and like i love folk like if i'm every people always ask like what what do i listen to either nothing like just silence (laughs) which is awesome or like today's hits like i listen to like the pop the, the like today's pop which i Couldn't tell you who sings what, but I like will bop along, you know, it's like anything or I'll listen to like folk or something that's like super chill. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, like James Taylor is one of my favorites and I, I just, I would love to do a whole, a whole James Taylor album or John Denver too. No, it's I like the James Taylor
1: arrangement a lot. It's like a little oh, different yeah. from the way I'm used to hearing that song. Um, yeah, yeah. but it occurs to me that this is like the kind of music that adults can enjoy but also like play around a baby and like everything is
2: chill and yeah. calm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, we we I mean the album is definitely eclectic, but it's um it's a culmination of many, many years. Like we've it's evolved. Uh we didn't wanna just um And we over recorded it. I mean, we, there are three songs that we recorded that we didn't include, like we really, everything was very thoughtfully selected. And, and, and it has taken like years and years to sort of come to where, where I am right now in 2018, you know, as an artist, as a person. Um, So it's, it's, it's cool. It's like this little time capsule. You
1: know? mm-hmm. Well, th- that is a perfect segue because I was going to say that the last show I saw you in was Sweet Charity oh, and, yeah. which is Amaz um, <laughs> and uh, that that felt kind of like a turning point for you in a way to me. I'm not 100% sure why but maybe because it's a bit of a darker role it had that kind of minimalist production. Yeah. Um, it was a different context than I'm used to seeing you in. Yeah. Um, so I was curious if if I was right about that in terms of what it was like for you professionally and going forward from here, like, what are the kinds of roles that, that you want to be doing,
2: um, and then that you're interested in? It, I, that's, I mean, that's interesting. It was, it was a, it was a very specific, incredible thing, like that show. And, and, and it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Like, it was just, I wanted to be, I wanted to play that role and, in, in like, a, just in sort of, um, sort of in a a whole new way. And, and it was, it was just to be able to, to be able to perform that close to an audience too was terrifying. It was like, it was literally people were a foot away from me. Um, it was, uh, it was awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think as I'm moving forward, I've, I've loved doing younger. I've loved being on TV. That's been like a wonderful thing for me. Um, I just want to work with good people. I want to be challenged. I want to be, um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the left turns. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the, where, where people go, huh, or like, that wasn't what I was expecting or that's mm-hmm. not what I thought or like, that's interesting to me because I, I can't keep, like after I did Anything Goes on Broadway, I was like, how do I keep going this direction? It's like impossible because mm-hmm. that was like, how can you, in my mind, I was like, I don't know how to top that. So, I did Violet, which was like a totally left, and then I did Sweet Charity. So it's like, whoa! Like, what? That's yeah. interesting to me. Like, I, I feel like I want to keep going in, in new directions every every time. I know that won't, can't always be the case, but that's what I, I would like to do.
1: As, has doing younger made you sort of hungry for doing more musical theater in certain ways, or are you? happy with the TV track for now because you are surrounded by so many theater people. On um, the show funny. that I'm like, I know all the theater people are always like, why can't there be a musical episode of Younger? I know, but I know. I know. <laughs> I feel
2: like, I feel like where I am now in my life, I feel like Younger came at a really great time. I was feeling, I was, I was starting to experience some burnout um, performing live and uh, Younger just sort of was this, this whole new thing, like a whole new, a whole new even though it's similar you know, you're playing a character, you're on, you're on, you know, you're telling a story. It's like you're acting, but it's like a whole new being on television and being on a set is completely different than doing theater. So it was like this whole new thing that I got to learn. And, um, and that was just a wonderful opportunity. But I, uh, I would absolutely love to, to do another show if it feels, if it's the right thing and it feels right. Um, I've got like irons in the fire and and some some things that are exciting, but I, I really want it to feel like something that's that will be challenging and exciting.
1: Well, I was gonna say there there must be offers occasionally for you to <laughs> come back here because you're definitely
2: missed. When I know, you're everyone, not everyone's here. like you've you've left Broadway for television. I was like, wait, no. I hopefully hopefully Broadway will will always be here.
1: Yeah, like I feel like Sweet Charity was just like a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was. I I believe that you will be back soon. Okay. I choose to believe. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. It's great thank to talk you. to you.
2: Thank you so much. You as as you like. So
1: close your eyes. You can close your eyes.
2: It's all right.
1: Sutton Foster will be performing at the Cafe Carlisle June 11th through 22nd and also in an extension June 25th through 29th. And Younger will be back on TV Land starting June 12th. If you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast or before the Tonys, you just want to get into it, which I fully support, you can find us on iTunes where it is easy to give stars and nice reviews if you like the podcast. We're also on other platforms including Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can find me on social media at Rebecca Millsoff on Twitter. And at you down with RMM on Instagram. And you can always tweet or talk about your love of the podcast with hashtag Billboard on Broadway. If you're a fan of print media or even of web media, you can find a bunch of pre-Tony interviews that I've done with people like Towns, Amber Gray, uh, the prom's Caitlin Kinnanen and uh, Oklahoma's Damon Downo on billboard.com. And you can also find a big kind of Tony nominee preview that I did in the last week's issue of Billboard on Stands. If you can find it, go for it. And hope to have you back for a new episode soon.